0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. It was a big winning weekend for Charlie and I with our week four picks of the week. So I hope you guys were able to jump in on that action with MyBookie. If you haven't yet, no worries. There's still plenty of time. We haven't even hit the halfway point in the college football season. So go to MyBookie.ag right now and use the promo code 200 cash. To get a 10% bonus on your first deposit. That's straight cash, guys. Straight to your betting account. There's no strings attached. No 10 time playthrough. No 15 times playthrough. So take advantage of that while you can. And also for a limited time, we have gotten my bookie by popular request to open back up our exclusive promo deal with the promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit that one does come with a playthrough but if you plan on betting for a long time and plan on winning some cash that's a that's a, also an awesome option for you guys as well so again mybookie.ag either use that promo code 200 cash for a 10 percent bonus on your first deposit or use the code uga for a 50 percent bonus on that first deposit but all right guys i am your host tyler you know that and finally back with me on the game recap episode is my longtime co-host curtis no car trouble this week No concert this week, no mystical force conspiring against us, so the original Glory UGA duo is back yet again on a recap episode, and today on the show, we have a 49-21 victory over UAB to recap. Not the most dominant win, but still a dominant win nonetheless, so let's go ahead guys, let's not waste any time today, let's dive right into this thing. And since the prominent storyline around this team over the past couple of weeks has been the slow offensive starts, I want to start with the offense. And don't get me wrong, the starts absolutely have been slow. We didn't score a touchdown on the first drive of any of our first three games. We actually only scored points at all on one of those first drives, but against UAB, the Georgia offense came out firing to open the game to take an early 7-0 lead. Yes, we did falter on the next two drives, punting on one of them, and then being stopped on downs at the UAB 23 on the third drive, but then we bounced back to score touchdowns on the next five consecutive drives to just straight up run away with the game. So, all right, Chris, I got a very simple question for you, my man. Give me one word to describe Georgia's offensive performance against UAB. Uh, I'm going to go encouraging. All right, I like it. I like it. So what were you encouraged about?
1: Um, It just felt like we were more aggressive. Yeah, there were times where we had some drops and some lapse in memory or kind of, you know, bonehead mistakes, you want to say. But overall, I felt like this was the first time from start to finish that we were more aggressive um, in play calling and execution wise because you saw Carson taking more shots down the field.
0: Yeah, we were – I think we've dialed those up. I mean those shots have been there. Has he always taken them? I think yeah. a bit much has been made of him taking checkdowns. So I do think there's at least some truth in the fact that maybe he's more more apt to take those checkdowns and pour, force the ball down the field, which if you're me, I would rather a quarterback err on the side of doing that than forcing the ball into coverage, which is what some of those teams are doing. to playing really soft coverage, and you just don't want to take those chances, and I get that. But I, I do think we took more shots. Um, we left a couple out there on the field, but we also hit a couple of them. And that was – you're right. It's very, very encouraging to see. Now, this is uh, this is UAB, guys. I, I understand who we were playing. But as I told you guys last week, I mean, UAB, they are not good on defense. You saw that. They were not good coming into this week. They get over 40 points to each of the last two games coming into this week. But one thing they did really well was something that we'd had issues with over the first three games of the season, and that is our offensive line allowing guys to get in the backfield we're just picking up guys that are being aggressive athletic scrimmage and trying to penetrate into our backfield they had 16 tackles for loss and nine sacks through their first three games again i know there's a obvious gap here in overall talent but there was also an overall massive overall talent gap with ball state and ut martin and they were doing some of those things was being disruptive in our backfield but we held them to one tackle for loss and one sack in this game. now i love that to be zero sacks but They were a pretty disruptive defensive front over the first two games of the season, and we did not really allow that to affect us in this game. So that's encouraging. So the offensive line maybe start to put it together, Curtis, a little bit there. Uh, The rushing attack, you know, after the Ball State game, we were held under 100 yards rushing for the first time since January 1st, 2021, over 30 games. I came on here and I was kind of freaking out. I'm not going to lie, I'll own that. I was kind of freaking out. Like that, people were concerned about Carson and Mike Bobo. I'm like, I'm not concerned about those guys at all. I'm concerned about this rushing attack. But we now put up over 180 yards rushing for the second game in a row, average over five yards per rush. Love to see that. You mentioned it, Curse, the passing game starting to click. I like that. I think encouraging is the right way. I had progress, but encouraging, same concept, right? So yeah, I think it was a, a, yeah, a, a very encouraging performance where we saw a lot of progress from this Georgia offense. Now we need to do it against a better defense, obviously, but still this was a step in the right direction because we were not doing some of the things that we did on Saturday against UT Martin, against Ball State, similar caliber defenses. So I will take what we saw there. We took strides. We're making progress. We're moving in the right direction. Now it's just a matter of continuing to build on that. And hopefully maybe, I don't know, dude, getting some people healthy, that'd be great too. So it it still wasn't the fastest start we've gotten out to, Curtis, but I, I would say it's, it was faster than any previous game. so only put up seven points in the in the first quarter, but we ended up putting up 28 in the first half total. And we did, though, curse, end up putting up a season high 582 total yards of offense, 31 first downs, man, for 29 last week, 7.7 yards per play, just a big time offensive performance, curse. So, like those, those are elite numbers. Yeah, I know it's UAB, but again, we're taking strides there. But what was the difference this week, curse? Like, how were we able to take those strides? In week four, what was going on?
1: Um, Well, the one thing I thought that really stuck out to me is we – I thought we did a better job of not being stubborn, running right into the middle because, you know, especially against some of these teams like um, UAB, they're not going to – they're going to stack the box as much as they can. Um, they're going to be the,
0: aggressive. What, exactly, what do they
1: have to lose? In the first couple games, we were still trying to run up the middle, and we were getting stuffed a lot, getting behind the chains. Yeah. And uh, it was frustrating his fans, uh, and it felt like this this game we did a better job of attacking on the edge.
0: Yeah, I do agree, that, we're, and I think we started to see a little bit of that against South Carolina as well. I think Dejan Edwards coming back is a big part of that, and just his vision, man. Like it's a different animal. I'm not saying that, that Kendall and Roderick aren't good players. They're, they're good players, but the level of vision that Dejan Edwards brings to this offense in the backfield and also his ability to get skinny in the holes, make guys miss in the hole, it makes your offensive line look a lot better, but – I, I do want to give some credit to the offensive line, Curse. I think the offensive line—I don't know if I want to use the word "gel" yet—but I think we're getting closer to that, right? Are you seeing that?
1: I do. You know, there was a couple plays still where they were getting stonewalled or pushed of back, course. but for the—but for the most part, I thought we did a lot better job of consistently getting better push, giving Carson time in the pocket, um, which we've done most of the year. But I felt like in the run game, especially, they did a much better job, especially in the red zone, because that's where you saw it show up a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're still not where we need to be, but we're making progress, and that to me is the moral of the story. That's the storyline to me coming out of this game is we're not where we need to be. We're not playing to our standard yet, but we're getting closer to that point, point. and I think maybe you could argue in at the end of the day with those final numbers. Maybe our offense did ultimately overall play to its standard, but there's still – inconsistencies there that we've got to clean up and you're never gonna have a perfect performance but I do think offensive line is playing better Um uh, I I think Ernest Green Curtis we've been very critical of him he's still not there yet I thought he played his best game on Saturday against UAB did you see what
1: I was seeing out there um yeah I did I thought across the board it was much better for him
0: yeah, I thought we—I thought he was getting more movement. He, I, honestly, Chris, the first couple games, it seemed like he was kind of lost in pass but At times, didn't know who to block, and was really—not he- I don't say hesitant, but a step slow in getting into his kick set. And that got him beat a number of times, and he's getting better. And That's that's what you expect from a young guy like that. I mean, I know he's a talented player. I have no question about that. It's just a matter of him getting up to speed, and we need that to happen, like, I don't know, now, because we're going to hit this stretch of seven consecutive conference games starting next week all on the road in a very tricky spot at Auburn, which we'll talk a lot more about later on this week. But I thought the offensive line in general played better. I was really encouraged by that. And here's what I like to see the most, Curtis. we got the ball to our best offensive playmakers.
1: Right off the bat. Yeah, we d- we did a much better job of getting them the ball and letting them go to work. Which sometimes I think I've even talked about to me has been some of the most frustrating parts. Was it felt like we weren't utilizing matchups, and it felt like this was the first time where we kind of did a better job of that.
0: Yeah, you could tell. You know, we the past week or what two weeks or so, we haven't really done a great job of. We we, we got Brock involved more in the second half of South Carolina. Ball State, we just basically forgot the guy was out there. Or you know, Kirby said after the, after the UT Martin game, we were actually trying to not you know. Always feed him the ball because we want to see what these other guys can do. We know what Brock can do, but then you go, go out against Ball State, and the guy's just not really touching the football. I know he's been kind of banged up a little bit. We got him more involved in the second half against South Carolina, which I think was one of the differences in that second half. But we came out just feeding the ball to Brock Bowers because, of course, you're going to feed the ball to Brock Bowers. I think you make a strong argument he's the best player in America at his position. I really truly believe that. And he is clearly our best playmaker. With all the injuries we have on offense, you've got to feed the guy the ball. I know that every game that we go into, every single defense, at the top of their game plan, is stop Brock Bowers. But that has been that way since day one, versus freshman year. And he still finds a way to make plays. And I want to give Mike Bobo credit here. I thought he – because he knows, look, people are trying to do everything they can to take Brock away. So if you – If you put him out there just running post routes, you have him running fade routes on the goal line, he's going to be double-teamed. That's going to happen. So we're doing some creative things to find ways to get him the ball, and I I think that's an encouraging sign for Mike Boba to just be able to to really scheme up ways to get your best guy, the ball in his hands, in space where he is just incredibly difficult to bring down. He's just a monster out there in in space, And, and he showed that again a couple different times on Saturday. I mean basically he does every time he touches the football and he gets out in space. So I think getting the ball to him, to him and not just him, I think, you know, getting Dominic Lovin involved in explosive play in the first half, I would really like to see that because this is a guy that he's been good. He's he's made some plays for us, but I'm waiting for him to have that breakout moment. Aren't you, Curtis, still waiting for, to see that from Dom? I am. Yeah. And I think that we are trying to scheme up some of those, And there have been some some plays that we have dialed up that were there, whether for various reasons we weren't able to convert, whether it was, you know, getting pressure on Carson, Carson taking a check down, whatever it might be. We've dialed some plays up, and it was nice to see that first drive to get this guy loose. Because I'm, I'm just waiting for that. To get this guy loose and just have it, let him have that breakout game. Because I think he's that kind of playmaker for us. So getting those guys the ball, getting Dajian involved in the offense early in the game, I, I think that was one of the things that helped us get off to that fast start. It's like, hey, you know what? I don't know. Just put the ball into your best player's hands. But, Curtis, I do want to go here. We talked about a, little, a little bit about the running game. After being held under 100 yards rushing, Curtis, for the first time in two and a half years against Ball State, as I said earlier, we have now gone over 185 yards in each of the last two games. I I know, Curtis, you know, this is Ball, this is UAB, I understand. I understand we always say don't read too much into games like this. But we also have a conference game thrown in there against South Carolina. So let me ask you now, Curtis, as we head into this stretch of seven consecutive conference games, how confident are you in this running game? moving into the heart of SEC play?
1: Um, I'm more confident if we can keep Dajun in there and, and probably get Kendall back.
0: But I, I obviously agree that it we, would be great to have Kendall back. Are you banking on that right now?
1: No, I'm really not. But I think also what's encouraging is to see the push we're getting from left guard right now. And I think that yeah. that, that may be a little bit of a difference, too, that also makes helps my confidence-wise.
0: Yeah, Fairchild's a guy I thought played really well in this game.
1: Yeah, and then Morris, too, when he came in there. Yeah, when he came in, yeah. I like Morris, dude. I think he's going to be
0: a really good football player for us here. Maybe sooner rather than later. We'll see. But, yeah, I I will say this about the run game, Curse. I feel better about it right now than I did two weeks ago. That's for sure. I can certainly say that. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. I'm I'm still very much in wait-and-see mode against better defenses, of which – Auburn is one, in my opinion. South Carolina, yes, is, that's a step up in competition compared to the other three games we've played. I mean, it is an SEC opponent, but South Carolina's defensive front there. I mean, T.J. Sanders is playing really good, number 90, if you guys remember him from last week. He's a good football player, but their front six is not not an elite front six by any stretch of imagination, really not a particularly good front six, to be honest with you. Auburn is going to be the best defensive front that we've played, by far. It's going to be on the road. Uh, we're going to have a tough time communicating. We know what that stadium's like. So I'm very much in wait-and-see mode. If we can leave... Auburn, Alabama rushing for another 150-plus yards, five yards per carry. I'll feel really, really good about what we're – because I think that Auburn some front six is, is a good unit. Not dominant, but they're certainly the best that we'll have faced to this point. Eugene Asante is an animal out there right now. So I'm, I'm very much in wait-and-see mode. But, again, I am encouraged – going back to your word for the offense, because I'm encouraged by what I've seen the last six quarters. The first three quarters against South Carolina, not so much. The second half, yes. And then all four quarters last night, I thought that they played very, very well. So I think we're starting to make progress. We're making those strides, as we've said. I just, I'm just, i not ready to say that we are there yet. I'm still very, very concerned about the depth at running back Curtis. I mean, Dejan, yes. I mean, he's awesome. He's been playing great for us. What a, God, what a luxury to have a guy like that, a veteran like that. But he's still supporting that brace, Curtis. I mean, I, I don't think Dejan's 100% right now. And, you know, he's just one play away, knock on wood, from him going out. It's like, dear God. What did you make of Andrew Paulgers? He got some carries in the first half. he kind of been MIA for the better part of the last two games.
1: Um, I, You're seeing it. You're seeing little bur- little bursts of it at times. But I think that he still – I don't know. It seems like his vision isn't as good as it will. maybe. be. We got to remember he was. basically
0: think, didn't play football at all for an entire year.
1: Exactly, and I think know? that's the one part Um, is getting used to the hitting – again and then just seeing the field
0: yeah i will say this for him the first game is ut martin that guy was very hesitant and i get it i understand i would be too coming off an ACL injury like that i mean you can practice with that's one thing but actually going in there because you're not really really getting hit at practice i mean i know scrimmages here and there sure but it's a different animal when it's somebody else that's not your teammate trying to hit you and take you down he was clearly hesitant in that first game he was not explosive he was not flying through the holes like he needed to he wasn't hitting the holes like he needed to I saw a better version of him on Saturday night. It, he's not there. It's, it's basically the entire – it's like the, he is, he's really kind of like what our offense is in a microcosm. It's making improvement, strides. I saw some encouraging things but still not there yet. But I do think Andrew Paul can be a good running back. I've seen enough from him. He's a big physical guy. I think he's got good feet. It's just a matter of him trusting the knee and getting more confidence and getting more reps out there. So I was actually excited to see him not only get reps, because he basically was not even getting reps the last two weeks, but to see him get reps and also get reps in meaningful situations, That's show, showing that kind of trust in him, that is a confidence booster for a guy like that who needs that. That's what he needs right now with the knee is he needs confidence. So I was excited to see that. And Dylan Bell Curtis continues to get snaps running back. Honestly, Curtis, he did not play receiver much at all on Saturday night. Do, do you think we're moving towards with the injury situation right now, running back? Are we moving towards making him a full-time running back or close
1: enough to it? I think we are, especially with the injuries right now. It makes the most sense.
0: It's kind of what we said, you know, after the you know, the first game, Curtis. You know, it's all right. Well, yeah, we need Dylan Bella receiver right now. So I don't know how realistic it is to put him at full-time running back. It really comes down to. What do the other guys, receiver, do? How do they develop? How do guys like Ra Ra Thomas and C J Smith? How do those guys develop? Can we get a Jackson Meeks healthy? And Curtis, right now, Ra Ra Thomas is really starting to come on. C J Smith has continued to play to, at a solid level for a guy who's really playing for meaningful snaps the first time in his career. We saw Jackson Meeks get out there in meaningful reps in the first half of that game. Curtis on the first drive of the game. So those guys coming along, I think, is giving Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo and the rest of the offensive staff more confidence in being able to move Dylan to running back and more. Of, I don't know if it's a full-time role. I think he's still going to play some receiver as well, but he certainly did not play as much receiver in this past game. as was getting some more reps at running back. So I think we're getting closer to making that move. I don't know if it's going to full-on, full-on happen, but I think his his reps at running back are going to continue to go up until we can get healthy at that position because, I mean, Curtis, they kind of have to. At this point, so I'm I'm feeling better about where we were. You know, long story short, feeling better about where we were, but just still not convinced we're fully there yet. But that's the running game. Let's talk about the passing game here, Curse. Carson Beck had his first career 300 yard passing game. He went 22 of 32, 69% completion percentage, 338 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. But, Curse, we know cupcake season is over, and we are about, as I've said a couple times, about to embark on this grind of an SEC schedule. And it it truly does kind of hurt my heart to even say this, but we are now a third of the way through the 2023 regular season curse, a third of the way through the season. That doesn't even feel possible, but here we are. So how would you evaluate Carson Beck's performance, not just on Saturday, yes, Saturday, but his overall performance to this point?
1: Um, I think overall, I'll just say he's been consistent. Um, He's done a good job of protecting the ball. We we know you've talked about it for some people – Maybe think he's checking down too much. But either way, he hasn't really turned the ball over much. And I think uh, that's a big I'll thing. I'll take is, that
0: all day, every day. Exactly.
1: He hasn't made turnover-worthy plays. Sometimes, yes, we haven't had the explosive plays. But he hasn't lost us any games. So I think that's a big thing. And then going into Saturday, um, I think he had a really good game. Out, you know, you want to see him connect on a couple of those deep bombs. I know the one with Arian uh, it just didn't work out. Uh, did the, the did one Arian, was, do you put that on Carson or Arian? Arian. It touched his hands.
0: Yeah, and it, he kind of like – the ball could have been placed out in a little bit better position for him, certainly. I think it was a little bit on both of them there. Arian did not do a great job tracking that ball in the air, in Yeah, my air,
1: see, see, the one to Meeks was Beck, but the one to Arian was, I think – Yeah, the one to Meeks,
0: Arian. he just missed. Carson just missed him.
1: Yeah. Like, and that happens. It's,
0: I want He needs to hit that. I'm not trying to say that it's okay to miss that. It. It's not. You need to hit that ball against better teams. I don't know, on the road against Auburn, like that. that could really matter in a football game. It's not going to matter against UAB, but – You got to hit that, but still saying that, you know, not every quarterback hits 100% of the passes. I mean, actually, that quarterback does not exist, so before you kill Carson Beck, let's also remember that. But, I mean, overall, yeah, he missed a throw here or there, sure, but I thought overall he's continued to play at a really high level course. I think we forget because Carson's been around here. I mean, people don't forget. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. I don't think people appreciate enough that he's only started four football games at the college level. I know he's been around for a long time that kind of skews how people perceive him. It's like, oh, yeah, he's a veteran. Not really. you know, I mean, he's this is his fourth career start. And this guy's been, I mean, you're talking about a dude's first four starts, Curtis. Have we really had a better start to a career in terms of his first four starts in Georgia football history at that position? No, we haven't. We no. simply have not. in terms I know he's been around for a minute. I know that. You're talking about the first four starts of this guy's career. There's not been one single quarterback in the history of Georgia football who's had a better, First four starts in their career. It's just it's, that guy doesn't exist. It does not exist. So I'm not saying he's perfect, but I think, I mean, to me, Carson has exceeded my expectations the first four weeks. I, I, that's how I feel about him. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with you.
0: I mean, he's just. I think, he, like you mentioned, he's not turned the football over. He's not hit every single throw. But look, what I, what encourages me most about Carson, more than anything else, is his ability. To see the field, even when you think he's taking the check down too early, and that's fine. I I think there's maybe a few cases where that is true, but it's not because he's not seeing the field. It's because he's making that decision. He understands what defenses are doing to him. He understands coverages. He knows where to go with the football. He's making the right read at an extraordinarily high rate, and he's been largely very, very accurate. I think he's playing at an extremely high level and it's certainly exceeded my expectations for where this guy would be through the first four games of his career. Now, I know the level of competition has not been great. I understand that. But, hey, I mean, he's done what he's been asked to do for the vast majority of, of these first four games. So I'm very excited with Carson. I think the passing game is starting to hit it stride a little bit more. I would love to get Lad McConkey back. I think that would certainly help things out. But uh, I, I like what I've seen from Carson. All right, Carson, last thing here on the offense before we move on. What is your biggest lingering concern about this unit entering conference play? I guess entering Ooh, I have a stretch of conference play.
1: I have two. Um first I mean okay. you got to go with the offensive line, you need to see the consistency. And then number two is really this wide receiver rotation. I think I need to see it simple, you know, really getting small, yeah, narrow it down because I think one thing is you see a lot in some of these games against like UAB and Ball State, but the timing is off because you're not going with the same guys. You're taking all your reps with, and so I think that's why you got to narrow down the rotation to continue to build the timing.
0: In Curtis's perfect world, let's put your Mike Bobo offensive coordinator hat on. Who would you have in like it's like a, a five-man receiver rotation?
1: Uh, Dom, Ra Ra, Marcus. Lad when I mean, yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, Lad when he's healthy. And then that's where
0: you said Rosy?
1: Yeah, Rosy. And then see, I still see Dylan Bell's running back, so that's why I'm actually gonna go with C.J. Yeah. Smith over Arian Smith. Oh, oh, okay. Defend that one. Well, neither of them are great at blocking at the moment, yeah. but C.J. is the one that is getting better. And he's I think that's what's getting side. yeah higher potential. His speed, yes, he's not as explosive as Arian, but he still brings high speed, and I think he's got the bigger body. So I think. As you see both of them grow, I think CJ has the, all the tools. Yeah, I, I'm okay
0: with that, honestly. I, I think for everything you said, there, I think CJ Smith is going to be a really good football player for us. And he's very comparable to what Arian Smith brings. You're exactly right. He's very, very comparable to what Arian brings in terms of his ability to be explosive down the field. And he's hit a couple of those explosive plays for us. And he is not a great blocker right now, but he has the body, the size, in my opinion, to be better at that than Arian does. And just it's that simple to me. It's hard to keep Arian Smith off the field though, because while he, there are some limitations with him on the perimeter and in, in the blocking game, which is a really important part of what we do offensively, especially with the, R, the amount of RPOs that we're running right now. He is just a playmaker, like waiting to happen. You know, he's he, he is, Curtis. like he's a big play waiting to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he could change a game on any given play. He absolutely could get like like the uh, the Peach Bowl against Ohio State, of He can change a game with that speed on any given play. So it's really hard to just say I'm not going to have him on the field. So. I think I agree with you, though. I mean, I would definitely have Marcus ahead of him right now on the rotation. I would, if Vlad's healthy, have Vlad. Clearly, Dominic, love it. Dylan Bell, again, I don't know what what, what our coaches have sees him as right now, so it's hard to say. Um, but I, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that maybe C.J. Smith si- should see some reps ahead of Arian. But I don't think the coaches will do that. Arian's been in the system a little bit longer. I think they trust him more at least in terms of knowing what to do. But we'll see how that continues to play out. The offensive line curse, that's definitely my st- – Biggest lingering concern. I think we're taking strides. I think we're improving, but I still need to see it against real high level SEC competition. Maybe we don't have high level SEC competition. I mean, there are some good defenses that we're going to play. auburn has got a good defense. Kentucky in a couple weeks has a really good defensive front. That's going to be a challenge as well. I need to see it on a more consistent basis from game to game, from drive to drive, from play to play. If you want to ex- expand that out and say the running game in general, I'm really encouraged by what we've seen the last two games in the run game. But again, I want to see us do that against better competition. And I I'm still concerned like I think it'd also be fair to say in the injury situation, Curtis. Is that fair just to say that?
1: Oh, yeah, that's extremely fair.
0: I mean, it's freaking me out right now. I mean, we are a MASH unit extraordinaire out there right now. Like we're just putting band aids and on sending guys out there, like, all right, let's see what we can do. And yeah, we're getting by with it now. I mean, Curse, South Carolina, I don't think is a very good football team. They're not a very good football team. I mean, they almost lost at home to Mississippi State last night. Mississippi State is not good at all. We saw what LSU did to them. And I know you can't say that it is the property of equality, but just trust me. Mississippi State is not a good football team, and they easily could have beaten South Carolina. So I, I know it's an SEC team, and it's a higher caliber opponent than what we played in the other three games, those non-con games. But we have not really been tested yet. So I think we've been able to get by with some of the injuries. But when we get into a, a situation where we're playing a tougher opponent, like a legitimate opponent – and we don't have all of our guys healthy. It, it's concerning to me because if we're healthy, we're just so much better than really everyone on our schedule, but we're not healthy right now. So that reduces our margins. And that's concerning going to a place like Auburn where it's going to be an insane environment. We are better than Auburn. I'm not trying to suggest that we are not. We are. But again, when you have a lot of these, like curse, like if Michael Williams is out again, like I know Kirby said he should be back this week. But I mean he said that about Ladd like week one. And Lad's still out. So if Mikel's out, if Javon, we don't know what, I mean, maybe he'll be back. Hopefully he should be back. He almost went last week in South Carolina. So I think he'll probably be back. Who knows what's going on with Lad McConkie? Uh, don't have a Marius Mims. I mean, Curtis, so we're talking about impact players. We're not talking about like just some random guys there. We're talking about big time dudes, the running back situation. These guys are out, and that reduces our margins. Like you can say, yeah, Georgia's roster is better. It is better than all these other teams. But how much better is it when we have all these guys out? I think it's still better, but it's not as much better. And that reduces margins when you're on the road in a tough environment like Auburn. That, that can make a difference, man. That can make a difference. So the injuries really probably is what has me most concerned more than anything. But if you're going to pick a position, I would say the offensive line. But before we move things over to the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about our friends at my bookie. Charlie and I both had big weeks with our week four picks, so I hope you guys took some of those and were able to put those to use at MyBookie, but if not, it's never too late to sign up, and you can do that right now. You can press pause, come back this episode in 60 seconds. Once you go to MyBookie.ag and sign up for a brand new account, you've got two options. You can use the new promo code 200cash to get a 10% bonus up to $200, a cash bonus on top of your first deposit, which goes straight into your account, no strings attached, no 5 or 10 or 15 times playthrough or anything like that. Just bet what you deposit, and then that money is free for you to withdraw and do whatever you want with it. Or you can still use our UGA exclusive promo deal. They're bringing it back for a short time only by popular demand. And that one will give you a 50% bonus on top of your first deposit. And that one does have a playthrough. But I mean, hey, it's tough to beat a 50% deposit bonus on that first deposit. So again, it's mybookie.ag. You got two promo codes to choose from, 200 cash for that 10% cash bonus with no strings attached, or UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. So take your college Saturdays up just one more notch and bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with mybookie. All right, Curtis, while there were some very encouraging signs from the Georgia offense, the defense, I think it's fair to say, did not have as stellar of a night, giving up a season-high 21 points to UAB. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked you about the offense, Curtis. Give me one word to describe the defensive performance against UAB. Uninspiring. What a word. I love it. What did you see that was uninspiring to you?
1: Um well once again our senior I believe senior or upperclassman preseason All-American linebacker junior 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 preseason All-American linebacker is just leaving a lot to be desired um for someone Are just we just going to captain. make this a weekly segment at this point Curtis? I mean at this point unless he changes the narrative it's hard to stop.
0: No I I'm not blaming you at all I mean it's just it's just it seems like it's become that way for us, and it sucks. It is,
1: because, especially because it's, it's, it always happens at big moments. You see it um, slow to react to covering the tight ends out of the backfield. Um, to You against- you could tell UAB saw that on tape. They're like, hey, if he's yeah. in the game, we're going to throw the
0: football where you guys mash up on him.
1: Exactly, and that's UAB. So other people are going to do that with more talented people that could to hurt you just as much and in bigger yeah. moments. Yep. Yeah, I was.
0: Um, I was. It's. It just sucks to be in a position where I'm in the stands screaming to get this, like you said, preseason All-American first-team guy out of the game because they're picking on him in pass in, in pass coverage. And that, I, I mean, of course, like, what if he's in the game? That's he, What he where he excels is between the tackles, right? That's what, That's where he's really good. That's his strength. In space, he's borderline lost. And if I can see that, of course, Trent Dilfer and the UAB coach staff can see that as well. Alex Moritz the their offense coordinator. Yes, of course they can see that, and they saw it, and they tried to exploit it, and they did exploit it, and it's like, dear God, like, and that's you're right because I knew that we were gonna lose that game, but it's like this is not okay because when this is put on tape, every other team is gonna see this, and they have much better players than UAB has, and that could create a lot of issues for us when the margins are smaller. So yeah, I don't know, man. Like, what do you do though? What is your what is your solution here? You,
1: you cut I mean I don't know if you can really bench him, but you can start doing what we did at times with people like when you had Reggie Carter and stuff where yeah. they may get be the starter, but they don't need to be out there much.
0: Yeah, you don't bench him. You can't I, – I don't think you can file bench the guy. I think he needs to continue to start because that's the leadership component in that – like benching him kind of takes away from that to a degree. and takes away the effectiveness of his ability to lead. I'm not saying it completely takes it away. There can be leaders who don't play a lot, but it certainly – it helps. Uh, I will say the – I mean CJ C. Allen is playing a lot more.
1: He is and he's you're seeing him flash when he is.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he's he's still young. He's still learning. He still needs that experience. But I'm I am glad that he's been able like I hate playing games like this. I freaking hate it, man. It sucks. But in a situation like this, when we have a lot of young players, a lot of injuries also kind of played in our advantage in this context this season. But him being able to get a lot of reps, a lot of snaps in the meaningful situations, I think has been really good for us. And I, I do, man. I really do believe, like you said, I think he's gonna continue to play more and more. I think that's what you have to do because Pop, I'm, I know that we I, – I think I feel like I say this every week. We're killing him. Yes, we're, we're being very critical, but he's not – he doesn't suck. I'm not saying he's terrible. He's good. He's just there – are, there are some limitations, and teams have seen these limitations, and they are exploiting these limitations, and that's very concerning heading into the heart of the schedule here. So I would, I would very much like to see, J, see C.J. Allen continue to take strides, continue to get reps, and play more and more. And I, I, it, Chris, it wouldn't bother me if it was like a series-by-series series rotation.
1: Yeah. Honestly. I mean, at this point I, I would be okay with that.
0: Yeah. It w- it wouldn't bother me at all. And I, and we're not the only ones noticing Curtis. for a while. I, always, I felt like maybe like, is there something wrong with us? Like are we seeing something that's not there, but we're getting a lot of questions from listeners now asking about, you know, the, the, the drop in play, that the decline in play that we've seen from pop Dumas Johnson. Is he regressing? It's like, okay, well, it's, at least it's not just us, you know, like, for a minute there, I'm like, is it, am I just seeing things that aren't actually there? You start to question yourself a little bit, but no, I mean, other people are finally seeing it too, Curtis. And it's, um, it's not it's not great especially when you talk about the level of competition in these in 3 of these first four games. So, so pop yes we know that's our weekly segment on him but what else you seen out there defensively that was uninspiring to you on Saturday? Um
1: kind of what we saw at times against South Carolina was just missed tackling.
0: Yeah, it's becoming an issue. It's 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 an issue across the country. There's nobody tackles in practice anymore? But I don't care what happens elsewhere across the country. We need to tackle better. And that's that's certainly been a problem. I I do want to say this Curtis the Statistically, I know they put up 21 points. You're like, damn, man, like there's no way you would be bears and they shouldn't put up 21 points. And I don't like that either. I don't like it. But one of those possessions curse, was um was a was it was a punt or kick. It was a punt, right? That was fumbled by Muse, if I remember yeah. correctly. So fumble punt. So they had a short field. I think they got the ball on our 36 yard line. Now, I would like to see us bow our necks and, and you know force a, maybe at least a field goal try there. Didn't happen. Um, but I don't think like we still only gave up a little over 300 yards. And that might be 300 yards too many for a lot of you out there when playing UAB. But I know we didn't do a full-on preview for UAB like we normally do because it's UAB. I know none of you cared about that. I talked a little bit about it at the end of last week. But Zeno, Jacob Zeno, is a good quarterbacker. He was the number five passer in America coming into this game. And yes, he threw for 250, but he didn't. Really, they didn't really hit a ton of explosive plays on us. And those 250 yards came on 51 attempts, so they averaged. Under five yards per attempt. So all in all, I know 21 points. You look at the scoreboard and your stat watch. You say, oh, man, that sucks. I mean, what what's, what are we doing? It's a good offense. Like, they, they they are explosive. They score points. And holding a guy like that, again, top five passer in the entire country coming into Saturday's game, holding him to 4.9 yards per attempt, 250 yards on 51 attempts. I thought we did a pretty good job of limiting their passing. They are a dynamic passing team. Now, they, can, they don't run the ball at all, they, and they, we saw that on Saturday as well, but they throw the ball well. and I thought overall we did a pretty good job out there, but here's the thing, Curtis. We're going to play teams that have better personnel and can throw the ball. I, I mean, who is – I guess Tennessee, Curtis, I, I guess I would say maybe is the team that has the passing offense that can really challenges us. Outside, outside Tennessee, who has that passing offense Chris, that you feel can really challenge us
1: in the regular season? Um, after watching Ole Miss play Alabama, I really don't know outside Tennessee
0: yeah Jackson Dart. I mean, well they had a lot of injuries as a receiver but Jackson dart is not even last year he's an improved passer but he wasn't a, a great passer last year uh, that Ole Miss's offense is not the same right now because he just he's not a great vertical passer of the football right now yeah that's the thing is like I don't I don't honestly this we might have played the two best quarterbacks that we're going to play all year in these past two weeks I still think Spencer Rattler's the best quarterback in the SEC and we held them in check after after the first half of course At least in the second half, and Zeno puts up numbers, man. I mean, he's a talented guy. They they are a dynamic passing offense. So maybe if we pass those two tests, maybe we'll be okay. But I still have some concerns about our ability to defend the pass overall. Like when we can play like teams that can really, really throw the football with elite quarterback play, with elite receiver talent. I need to I need to see us do that. We because we you know obviously we struggled that last year. Uh, All right, Curtis. I'm actually the same question about the defense I asked you about the offense. What is your biggest lingering concern about this defense heading into this stretch of seven straight conference games?
1: Really, can we win at the line of scrimmage?
0: What do you think the answer to that is? Can we against better teams?
1: I think we can. I think that the biggest thing is finding the right rotation of these guys. Who do
0: you think is the best interior defensive lineman we have right now?
1: Warren Brinson.
0: Yeah, but I put that think, I, don't think the Zach,
1: I don't think Stackhouse is far behind.
0: No, they're different players. They do different things. They They fill different roles for us. But Warren Brinson, his ability to, to disrupt the backfield and to really pressure the passer from that interior position, like getting the passer's face, that's second to none on, on the team. I mean, him and Christian Miller both are really good at that. Nas is a good player. He's just that's no, he, he's more of a space eater. He's more of a guy that's gonna be a run stuffer. Um, so I think those are the two best guys right now. As I did some good things um, on Saturday. Actually, I actually thought he might have played his best game of the entire year. And like it's like we've said. All year, Curtis, and going back to the offseason, we don't have Jalen Carter. We do not have that kind of guy. We don't have a first-round draft pick on this team right now or that's playing significant minutes. Maybe Jordan Hall can grow into that. And I thought Jordan Hall did some pretty good things over the past two so weeks. I think he's really kind of flashed. I want like to see him continue to play a little bit more because I think he is that guy that has the potential to be closest to Jalen Carter in that type of first-round draft pick. I don't know if he'll be that this year, but I think he's got the, the potential to be closest to that down the road. But I, I'm with you. I think Warren Brinson has played really well. But I, I still have some questions. Of, you know, When we play really good SEC offensive lines and really good SEC rushing attacks, how are we going to be able to hold up? Like Ole Miss, like, they don't throw the ball well. They run the ball really, really well. And I know they were banged up a little bit last week. Even Quinshot Jenkins played, still banged up. But that kind of team, that kind of game, that's that going to challenge us. And I, I want to see how we respond in a game like that. We might not know that for a couple of weeks. Auburn's going to try to run the football because Auburn runs the football really, really well. We might find out as early as this week, actually. there might be, other than Ole Miss, it might be the best rushing attack that we're going to face in the regular season all year. So we'll, we'll find out. That. That's definitely a concern for me. Here's my biggest concern, Curtis. Red zone efficiency defensively. I know we talked; everyone's talking about red zone efficiency offensively last week. And we certainly corrected the second half of the South Carolina game. We were six for six for touchdowns in the red zone this week. That was a huge difference in this game. Honestly, we were so efficient because I think we were like 10 of 13 on third downs on offense, six of six scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That is more like what we saw last year. I, I, that talk about encouraging things that was extraordinarily encouraging for me from the Georgia offense. However, on the flip side, the Georgia defense, because we were the best team in the country last year and limiting touchdowns in the red zone with our opponents. This year has not been the case. Here. So, you know, we saw Carolina last week, the first half. Why was it 14-3 going to halftime? As we said last week, they had two red zone trips. and scored two touchdowns. We had two red zone trips. We got three points. That's why it was 14-3. And UAB gets the red zone. I think what They went three or four in the red zone or three or three scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Not good enough. That's just simply not good enough, Chris. That's not what we have come to expect from this Georgia defense. And, again, you can get away with it against UAB. Heck, you can even get away with it against South Carolina because that's a bottom-tier SEC team, in my opinion, this year. I'm not sure they're going to go to a bowl game. But you play better teams. And I know our schedule is what it is, but we are going to play better teams down the stretch. If we do not do a better job of holding teams to field goals when they get in the red zone, because teams are going to move the football, Chris. It happens to every defense. All the rules favor offensive football. It just is what it is you the difference in these games a lot of times is holding teams to field goals once they get in the red zone and we were elite at that last year we were an elite overall defense last year but we were elite at that and that really made us look a little bit better than we were at least in terms of the scoring average this year that's that's not been the case we have not done a near good enough job and it hasn't been against good competition let's just be real it has not been against good competition we're gonna the competition is about to ramp up starting this week and we have got to find a way to be better i think a part of it Curtis, honestly is You mentioned the defensive line. I think our defensive line has been good. It's not a dominant defensive front like we had in the past. We don't have those first rounders. And so when you get in the red zone, what do teams want to do? They want to run the football, right? Are we going to be able to completely stuff the run like we have the past couple of years in the red zone? I don't think that we will, at least not to the, to the degree that we had the past couple of years. So I think that is something that's hurting us a little bit there. But we got to get it figured out because that is not good enough. That is something that can absolutely cost us a game down the road, and we don't want to put ourselves in that position. So that, to me, red zone efficiency defensively is the concern for me. But there's the offense. There's the defense. We're going to get to game balls here in just a few minutes. But first... Let me make sure to remind you guys about our awesome friends at Alumni Hall. I hope you guys that came into town this weekend for the game against UAB were able to stop in at Alumni Hall inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center just past the Oconee Connector to get your 2023 George Game Day gear. If you did, you, you know what I'm talking about. You saw it firsthand. You saw it with your own two eyes. It really is a... Georgia fans paradise. Not only do they have the best selection of George gear that you're going to find anywhere, not only do they have all of your favorite brands, not only do they have gear that you quite literally will not find anywhere else, they also have the best customer service around. And guys, that matters. If you need help finding something, if you want them to check on a size in the back room, if you want them to check their warehouses, if you just want someone to treat you with some kindness and respect, Alumni Hall is the place to go because they do it right. They do right by you, they do right by me every time I go in there. If you shop online, if you've never experienced this, it's hard to explain it, but when you get the box in the mail, it is like Christmas Day. It's like you're opening a Christmas gift. The way that they stuff it with nice little touches and care. It's just, it's just the details, guys. It's the details that matter. And nobody does it like Alumni Hall. So make sure to stop in today at Alumni Hall inside the Epsburg Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. All right, Curtis. Last segment here. Let's move into our game balls. This is actually the very first game balls to been out this year. I know we kind of Miss each other past couple weeks. Glad to actually get together here on this recap episode. So we got some game balls, man. So uh, you guys know I'm not gonna. Usually we give out like three each every after every game. I'm not gonna put a number on it this year, Curtis, because sometimes there might not be three guys that we want to give a game ball to. So we'll just kind of leave it open ended. You can do three, two, one, four, five, however many you want to do. But I'll
1: let you have honors with the T box here, man. Who you going with first? I uh, gotta go with Brock. Um, I thought you know we did a good job getting the ball and putting the ball in his hands and situation to make him successful and then you also saw just how special he is especially after the catch he's unbelievable man it's it's truly a knack i don't i it's i mean it's is in his
0: dna that he just refuses to surrender more or less like he fights for every single yard and i just wish our running backs would do that. i think mean, dajan does a better job of that i wish our running backs would kind of take that example and, and put that into effect to actually run the football because that guy is just he's unbelievable man i said it earlier because i'm gonna get your take on this I believe that you can make a strong argument that Brock Bowers is the best player in America at his position. Is that a crazy thing to say? No,
1: I don't think it's that crazy. Who else would you put in that argument? I mean, Caleb Williams, obviously, right? Yeah, you have Caleb Williams. Um, but the problem, yeah, I, I mean, realistically, I don't really. I mean, maybe Marvin Harrison. Uh, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jr. sure. But outside of that, you don't really have a lot of these, you know, Difference makers at their position where it's just clear cut that they're yeah that and it's still
0: extent. early in the season but like a lot of these guys are they're going to emerge and they will emerge uh, Drake May is really good obviously you know quarterback quarterbacks said all the love of course and look I know I'm not I'm under no illusions Brock Bowers is not going to win the Heisman Trophy I'm under no illusions this is just not going to happen but if you're asking me who is the best player in America like doing what he does at his job at his position I think you can make a really strong argument for Brock Bowers and I know that I'm a Georgia guy I understand that call me a homer that's fine. I kind of feel about him the same way I feel about Roquan back in 2017. I knew that Roquan was not going to win the Heisman Trophy. I was under no illusions then, but I felt that Roquan Smith was the best player in America at his position. And uh, defensive players don't get that love. That's fine. But I kind of feel the same way about Brock Bowers. I, th- I think the guy is just an absolute monster. And it's crazy. Like anytime this guy gets less than 10 touches in a game, or at least 10 targets, it's crazy. I mean, because he is just. He is going to – all he does is make plays. He makes plays. He makes plays that nobody else can make, and he's on our team. So let's actually, I don't know, maybe use the guy a little bit more like we did on Saturday, which is great to see. But that needs to be um, a regular occurrence weekend in and week out. So obviously, Brad Bowers has got to be at the top there. I figure you take him. I'm going to go Carson Beck, Curtis. I know I kind of waxed eloquent about Carson, his play through the first four games earlier in the show. But you know what, guys? I'm going to do it a little bit more. So now Carson Beck. Is one of the only three Georgia quarterbacks in the history of the Georgia program to open a season with at least four straight games throwing for 250 plus yards. The other quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett, Aaron Murray. I think they mentioned that on the broadcast last night when I was doing the rewatch. But here's the thing that makes Carson different, Curtis. Carson is the only one of those three quarterbacks to do it in his first four career starts. Stetson <laughs> did it last year, Aaron did it in 2013. But Those guys have been playing for a minute, played a lot of football. Carson, I know he's been around for a long time. Hasn't played a lot of football, though, for George. First four career starts, 250-plus yards, and I think he's playing an extraordinarily high level. I think he's certainly, for me, as I said earlier, exceeded my expectations. And it's very exciting for me, Coach, to think how good this guy is going to be as we continue down the road of this season. Because, again, first four starts, he's been this good. What is he going to do when he gets some more time on his belt? What's he going to do when Lav McConkie gets back? What's he going to do when we get healthy in the running back room We can start running the football a little more effectively, more explosively? I think Carson Beck is going to be a dynamic quarterback for us. In fact, I think by the end of the year, right now, I would still say Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback in the SEC. He was on, he was awesome against Mississippi State last time. I think he was 15 for his first 15 passes or something like that. He's just unbelievably good. He's playing at a really, really high level. But – if you ask me who's going to be the best quarterback like Thanksgiving weekend, it might very well end up being Carson Beck in this in this league. It very, very well might be. He's not there yet, not right now, but if he continues to play at this and continues to improve, I think you can make that that uh, argument that Carson could develop into that kind of guy. All right, so brought Bowers, Carson Beck. I think those are the two obvious guys from last week or from Saturday's game. Who do you got number
1: two? Um, I actually don't really have any more game balls to give out.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I had to struggle here. I got a couple. I got a couple. I'm going to get your reaction on a couple of these here. All right. Mark shows me Jack Saint. Um, I could see it. I mean, he has some explosive
1: plays. So I'm, career I'm, I'm, high,
0: career that, high. Yeah, six yards short of 100 yards. 94 yards receiving three three catches 94 yards receiving and look at now or all those marcus is doing or is this you know him finding himself in the zone there or finding a good matchup and carson hitting him i don't care marcus rosemary jackson is a good football player because we know what he can do on the edge with this perimeter blocking we that's well established but i've, I've maintained for a couple of years now i think marcus has more in the tank as a receiver i think we're starting to see that he's fully he's been fully healthy i said i know he's healthy-ish last year, but he just seems different the you know, back half of last year and this year. I think this guy can be a legitimate receiving option, a receiving threat for us in a way that he hasn't really been. He's kind of just been a role player out there blocking the perimeter, a very valuable role player. It's a huge role in our offense. But I think he can actually be a playmaker in the past game, and we started to see signs of that over the past couple of weeks. So I'm really excited that he's back in the team. You know, he wasn't going to play last night, Curtis. I had heard a little birdie before the game, say, uh, or on Friday night, uh, Marcus might not go. And I was like, dang man, he, I don't know if he knows Curtis. He was not that. He didn't start the game, and I know some people are sitting around me, uh, in my seats there, I was like, oh, what's what's going on with Jack saying, like, what's going on? I'm like, uh, he's not 100 healthy, you know, whole thing. But he he went out there, he played because that's what Marcus does. He's a tough dude. And there's another really, just a player I'm really glad it's on our team. Just a, a really, that he's a Georgia football player. Like He epitomizes what this program is about. So, gotta love Marcus there. Uh, we talk, talked about him a few minutes ago there, Curtis. Warren Brinson had our only sack of the game. Uh, you and I, I was gonna ask you if you felt like he was our best team in lineman, because I believe he is. I know you already answered that question. So, I think Warren Brinson. I'm not going to say it was like, you know, an incredible game for Warren Brinson. I thought he did some good things for us, continues just to do really good things for us on the defensive line there. So he kind of flashed me. So I get him a game ball. And here's one that's kind of off the radar, Curtis. Don't look now. We are talking about, you know, C.J. Allen getting some more reps in the rotation inside linebacker. What about and Sorry, Curtis. Oh, now I did, he did seem to bring
1: a lot to the table.
0: Xavier Sorda, uh, against South Carolina, he flat ran like because uh, he, he's, he's getting some some play in the third down package, right? And he flat ran over their right tackle, like bull rushed him and just completely ran over him. It was about to be a sack, but Rattlers, you know, just playing a high level right now and got rid of the football. But I mean, he showed me something at South Carolina rushing the pass I knew he had in him, but he just he's always seemed kind of like he was thinking too much on the field. You know when he got out there, it's like he's just a, a step slow. I was like, I know you're a better athlete than that. I know you're kind of thinking, you're hesitating. He's not doing that right now, Curtis. He's just going out there and playing, and I know he didn't, you know, he didn't play a ton on Saturday, but when he was out there, he flashed to me. When you, you don't play a lot and I notice you when you're out there, that means you're doing something right to me, and that's two weeks in a row. where He didn't play a ton of snaps, but when he's out there, I, I see him, and I notice him, and he's making play silent side to sideline in a way that you know, the guy that we talked about a little earlier with our weekly segment is not doing on a consistent basis. So this is a guy – that I'm really excited about because, you know, we need, we need to have four guys that we really, really trust at that position. And I think we have a ton of talent that spot. I mean, in terms of overall talent, it might be the most talented overall room in the entire on the entire team, but how many of those guys are ready to play right now? That's the question. I mean, obviously, EJ Lice, injured right now. Raylan Wilson was injured. He's been back for a couple of weeks. He's we still working himself back, and, you know, he lost a lot of practice time there. But if we can get Xavier and Zori playing at that level on a consistent basis – OK, let's go, because you got C.J. Allen and you got Zavin Sori, one-two punch there uh, off the bench at inside linebacker. And maybe he's a guy, Kurt, starts to take some of those snaps at inside linebacker as well. If he can play like that, maybe he starts feeling more comfortable. I don't want to say, again, not benching pop, but maybe reducing his snaps there. So I think Zavin Sori rushing the passer, running side on the sideline. I start, I'm i starting to see some really, really good things from him. So I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think he's a guy – I'm. he's just – it's taking a minute for him to get there because he, he was really more of a passion coming out of high school – but he's starting to learn how to play that position. He's starting just to, to go out there and run, react, and play. And that's the beautiful side because he's got talent. Man. He's always had talent. It's never been the question. Him. It's just a matter of like finding the position for him and teaching him how to play that position, getting him comfortable and confident in that position. And I think now we are starting to see that. And I think as the season goes on, that guy is going to end up playing more and more of a role for our defense. All right, Curtis. Well, that's it. UAB, again, Not. I- a ton to break down here because we, we always say when you talk about games like this, there's only so much you can take away from a game like this. But this is the last one, guys, because, again, we've got seven consecutive conference games, eight consecutive Power Five games the rest of the way. So we're going to get some big-time competition here, and we'll have much more to break down as the season progresses. But any last words here, Curtis, before we get out of here?
1: No, I think we got it ready for a big SEC matchup against Auburn this week. Yeah, Curtis and
0: I, we will be in Auburn. Hopefully some of you guys will see you guys there as well. Uh, The cow pasture, I guess it'll be waiting for us. Not my favorite trip, but you know what? Let's go watch the dogs pull out this dub against Auburn and then keep that streak going against the Tigers. All right, guys, that's all we got for today. We will be back later on this week. The week five mailback episode will be up on Tuesday evening for you guys. So if you haven't seen your questions, there is still time to get those in. You can hit us up on Twitters at Glory underscore UGA. You can find us at GloryUGA Podcast on Instagram, or you can email us at Glory UGA podcast at gmail.com if social media is not your thing. Then I will have our Auburn Game Preview episode for you guys on Wednesday night, and then Charlie and I will wrap things up with our week five picks of the week on Thursday night. So a ton of great content for you guys the rest of the week. Make sure Keep on coming back for some more great Georgia football coverage. But thank you, as always, for being here, guys. We appreciate you. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go, dogs.